Hello, we are the Manic Street Speakers. Welcome to our lovely bubble universe of Manic's loveliness. And I can't believe I said that correctly. Um, first up, it's time to introduce you to someone who is ballsier than a man with ten testicles. She can karate chop a shark while wrestling a crocodile. Her ambition is so driven, she's got a driving license. It's top, it's top businesswoman 2020, Emma. I'm so glad you, I love that you use The Apprentice music. I know you're a fan of it. I am. I am a fan of The Apprentice. I'm a fan of The Apprentice music. And I am indeed a businesswoman. Come on, this is, this is your time to advertise. Uh, yes. So, um, first of all, for a music podcast, this is a perfect thing to say. I am now one half of the brand new company, Little Bird Creative. And we are a small marketing company in Cornwall. We do bespoke graphic design, video content, web content, and social media management. And we also run a very specialized service where we do virtual performance videos for choirs and singing groups who can't get together at the moment because we're in a bloody pandemic. So if you would like any of those services, please do visit www.lb-creative.co.uk. Hang on, are you paying me for this? No, no, I'm very poor. The business is only just starting and I've handed my notice in at my job. (laughs) (laughs) But I can do an intro for you. Your host for this podcast is a man so dedicated to Manix fandom, he stayed up till midnight to get his first listen of Even in Exile, despite having to be up at silly o'clock in the morning for work, which I'm just happy about because I don't have to do anymore. It's Mikey! You say I stayed up to midnight. I did, but it was a bit of. I've had a bit of a failed attempt, couple of first couple of attempts to listen to the album. I like. I fell asleep. Woke up. Woke up at half twelve at night. Listened to it. Fell asleep while it was on. Which is not a glowing review. And then I was thought, oh, I listened to it while I walk into work. Started. Press play. Left the house, one of my earphones is broken. So I listened to it, the second time I listened to it, I listened to it through one ear. I got it right at the third attempt though. So when I got home and I listened to it properly at the third attempt. No! Another reason it's been a bad week musically for me. My partner Mel has been playing JLS, She Makes Me Wanna, on repeat because she knows... Firstly, I hate it, and secondly, it's going to be stuck in my head all the day, all day. That's that's what you are allowed to do when you're in a long-term relationship. Just annoy the crap out of the other person. <laughs> but but do you know do you know the bit I hate most? Hang on a minute. Let's let's do let's go for it. Right. So imagine you're in a nightclub, you see a hottie, I'm a 40 year old man, I, should, I shouldn't say that, and you go up to someone, you're talking to them, and you go, hey, you make me wanna, uh, 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 I mean, what, vomit? I mean, if somebody came up to me and said, you make me want to, oh, 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 I think I would genuinely be a little bit like, well, please stay the fuck away from me. And now I start, I start, I start singing to the dog, like, going from, from the house to the park, from the park to co-op, to co-op to the house. And it's just, it's, it's sending me potty. something better to listen to well there's a james album out this week thankfully oh what an excellent segue it's it's not a segue because i'm still ranting about gfjs okay i'm sorry continue (laughs) she's got the best of album and that song goes uh 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 and with the background of oh 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 and the next song starts on the the great six album like 
Ooh, yeah. I'm like, are they just, are they just random noises? <laughs> I mean, I know I sound like an old man, but where's the songwriting? <laughs> no, there's I look. You wanna you wanna get into this? I'm 38 next month. You know, I'm an old lady now. Most people will view me as that. I get it, but I have a real issue, and I'm gonna. I really am gonna segue now. <laughs> So, at the moment, you may have noticed the Meerkat Present advert about the biggest girl band on the planet. No, I don't think I've seen that. Oh, yeah, it has been a difficult year for music, and Little Meeks had to cancel their tour. Um, and I can't freaking stand Little Mix. I literally, I have a very visceral reaction to them. It is bad. Are you allergic to their bottoms? Probably. I mean, I don't understand why they have to wear fucking leotards everywhere. You know, just put some clothes on, ladies. Save it for the stage. But but what gets me most... Save it for the bedroom, you mean? Well, exactly. You know, I I have this issue and I'm... Oh, we're going to have complaints. I am a feminist. I consider myself a feminist. And Little Mix were asked in an interview, Are you feminists? And they all went, oh, God, no, we love men. And I'm like, that's not what the question was, you bunch of divs. And they started going off on these rants about how they've got boyfriends and their boyfriends are brilliant. So, of course, they're not feminists. No, they're answering the question, are you a lesbian? And, you know, that's a different question. And then they have the audacity. Oh, see, I told you I was going to get started. Then they have the audacity to release a freaking song where they sing the words representing all the women no no you don't get to do that when you've bloody turned round and gone no we're not feminists we love men oh my god so yeah little mix can get in the fucking sea there we go <laughs> welcome to this podcast <laughs> oh god so can jls well this is taking a turn <laughs> On that note, uh, we're going to do a bit of quick news. Quick news. The Manics. I'm a bit confused about what they've done. I mean, in general, that's just what they do. But they've announced. They announced a few weeks ago they they were going to have a podcast, which is stepping on our toes. They, but the podcast was called Culture Alienation, Boredom, and Despair, and nothing seems to have come about that. But now, because they They've released so far two podcasts called Inspired by Inspired by Hara, which is James is talking about his influences of, of on the new album. So I I don't know where this culture alienation boredom and despair title has come from. No, I haven't listened to the the Brothers podcast yet. Does that make me a terrible fan? The first one is pretty good because they was you know explaining about who he is and what you know the what happened to him. But the second one, they had interviews with Emma Thompson and a theatre director. And they were more talking about their work than about him. So it's a bit strange. The third one hasn't been released yet. But, but I, I will. It is on my to-do list. I have a lot of podcasts I need to catch up with. Yeah, they're quite short. I think they're about 15, 20 minutes long. But um, no, it's nice to hear James nattering away. He has got that sort of lilting voice. I could just listen to him chatting away. Oh, have you seen, it's still on iPlayer, um, I meant to mention this before, Rockfield, the studio on the farm. No, I haven't. It's really good. Um, it's essentially the history of the legendary studio in Wales. Now, most tales from bands and artists are about debauchery and violence and drugs. James and Nicky come on. And he tells us the core structure to if you tolerate this. <laughs> <gasps> oh! After we finish this podcast record, that's what I'm going to go and watch. It's really, it's really entertaining, but the Manics don't really appear in it very long. Nikki's, well, Nikki's there, but I can't remember if Nikki speaks. Maybe he he's was having a Sean day, just deciding. No, I'm going to be strong but silent. <laughs> Thank you.
no canta por cantar ni por tener buen amor canta porque la guitarra tiene sentido y razón tiene corazón de tierra las de palomita es como el agua bendita santigua gloria y penas aquí se encajó mi canto como dijera violeta this week James Dean Bradfield has released, after a 14-year wait, his second album. is a concept album about musician and activist Victor Hara. Emma, what are your first impressions and how do they relate in terms of your expectations? Uh, my overall notes, I've put, this is incredible storytelling through song. There is a sense of beauty, loss, hardship and optimism in the face of adversity. It's an amazing piece of work and a worthy successor to the brilliant The Great Western, even though I particularly adore how different these albums are from each other. I didn't quite know what to expect, because They'll Come a War is so different to anything on The Great Western. And when I heard that, I was like, this is foreboding and dark. Is this going to be the tone of the entire album? I'm so confused. Like, it's just, it's not, um, it's not the same. But, I just, I'm, I'm fascinated. It's made me really want to know more about what he's singing about, which I, I guess is the intention with this kind of thing. And it's something that's so different to what he's done before. In a lot of ways, there's some hugely, like when we talk about track by track, there are some majorly manix things going on, you know, where I've gone, oh, that's a manix, that sounds manixy. But there's, there's just such a different, sense to it and and it it just all the songs even though there are like differences between the songs and you'll have like a really up tempo one and then you'll suddenly have this very slow very almost dreamy quality of sound i it they're so united in this story it just feels like a really coherent story from start to finish and i really love that about it i am very excited about this album yeah i think there's why like you said there's some manix isms in there i'd say there's more levels to his musicianship on show here with the manix you get more riffs solos and power chords i mean his guitar playing here is so poetic like the spanish guitar is a lot of going is going on there and it's just beautifully done absolutely beautiful and actually as an album it is more uplifting than i thought it would be yes that that sort of dark foreboding like sound of they'll come a war which i actually genuinely love i really think it's it's atmospheric and amazing but i was a bit like oh a whole album like that i don't know but we we shouldn't be surprised really should we because it's an inherent part of james's musicality that's what that's the way he writes generally does do uplifting music but like you i was fooled by they'll be they'll come a war and thinking well is it going to be more of that kind of vibe but um no i think it's really surprised me i would say my initial reactions to it and there are songs where his voice is a, a lot deeper than he's probably been before this is true yeah the lyrics of patrick jones are accessible and to the point and they understand the gravity of the situation i would say i would say so and i think there are a couple of really good like lines that stand out which we will come to, I have no doubt. Now, first song, I'm going by James's pronunciation. Roquefa. <clears throat> That's wrong, isn't it? Roquefa. <laughs> Somebody will correct us. Uh, let's let's just do many possibilities for the edit. Rakuuda. Rikuidi. Roquefa. Recorder. 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 There you go, we're all bases covered. 
Recuerda when they come to your door with the laws and the guns. When they take away our daughters and lead away our sons. Recuerda that you need some Pinochet. The land of the free disappeared those who would not obey in the name of liberty. obsessively in love with James's voice in the opening verse because it's so deep it's so bassy and low but there's a huge sense of like sadness I think in the tone of it and then suddenly those R's kick in in the background and the whole thing lifts and then by the time the chorus kicks in it's just suddenly got this air of like I think it has an air of passion and it just makes me feel passionate and not in the way that's going to come across <laughs> having said that i'm obsessively in love with his voice but i i really think this is a good opening track it's a very busy song because i love the, the the changes to the tempo and there's two dueling guitars going on and when it speeds up and it, it's quite instant because it it kicks in with the verse very quickly his voice kicks in very quickly the deep voice and then sooner as soon as that's done it kicks into a higher gear but um, yeah, the li- li- lyrics that I really took to here, Thatcher, Nixon, Pinochet, disappeared those who could not obey, who would not obey, in the name of liberty. The first time I heard, well, any of the album, I was actually making my bed. Um, and I put this on and I literally had to stop what I was doing because I was just like, oh, wow. And I had a, I had a proper stop what you're doing and actually sit down and listen to this properly moment i just feel like the whole way through that song it just lifts and lifts and lifts all the way through it and i really like that about it excellent okay uh, we've covered it a bit before but the boy from the plantation i still think it's quite a manixy sounding song and i still feel like of all the songs on the album this is the one that gets stuck in my head the most often <laughs> Um, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> no! <laughs> the boy from the plantation. <laughs> oh, God, we need to send you to, like, anti-JLS therapy. <laughs> um, I particularly like the harmonica towards the end of the song. That is my contribution to this discussion. No, that's fine. Yeah, um, it was a... I was a bit indifferent to the chorus at first, but um, it has grown on me. Um, and I still just love the growl of, of the guitar and the verses and the, and the, yeah and no it, it's growing me more and more this song i think it's really good okay there'll come a war when i first heard this song i liked it a lot but it was so different to what i was ex- i don't know what i was expecting but it was so different that i was like i didn't know how to take it and <laughs> i just couldn't take it man but now i d- it's just too intense yeah it was intensely intense and now I'm just, there is some, I could bathe in this song. I just, I, it's got such a darkness to it. It's so foreboding with the piano and the like drum beat at the start. And then where it comes on the album makes so much sense because you've had this like, boy for the plantation, that's not how it goes. But do you know what I mean? It's like this uplifting, perky sounding song. And then suddenly you've got this very, like, sudden shift in tempo and in, in tone. And it really sounds like a threat. You know, it's it's like, obviously, it's a warn- there's a warning to it. But it, there's something really like, I'm, 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 this is a threat. You know, take this seriously. And I just really... Well, it fits in with the title, doesn't it? They'll come along. It does fit in with the title. And I just... I, I really love this song. 
it's exceptional i i love it more and more i loved it from the first listen and i it's, it's like such a mood piece at the opening 90 seconds i've got here i've written down are an impending sense of doom and then there's a haunting piano which sounds like glorious resignation like a, that's what it sounds like to me it's kind of just din, 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 din. yeah i know where you're coming from yeah love it absolutely love it it's an absolute belter seeking the room with the three windows featuring dion dublin <laughs> up the stairs to the bedrooms very in joke uh it to me it's, it still sounds like i can't remember if i mentioned it last time it sounds like it should be uh played on a montage of goal of the month i think you did and i agreed with you yeah i i also still keep expecting vocals because there's just something yeah there's something about it that i'm like oh in a minute the words kick in <laughs> and then they don't and i'm like oh um i do i do really like the way it builds and i like the way there's something very soaring about it when the when the drums and the the clanging guitars i have written because i'm good at writing about music um when they kick in there is something about the song like seeming to take off and i really like that yeah yeah i love the squeals of like guitar over the jangly rhythm section and then actually towards the end there's this sexy acoustic plucks going on oh god mm, yeah yeah that's the name of his third album sexy acoustic plucks <laughs> i i'm so excited to buy them <laughs> parental guidance <laughs> oh god okay thirty thousand milk bottles Um, I'm very into the piano intro. I just think that's really nice. And this is one of those songs where the lyrical content really makes me want to just go straight to Google and find out more. And I know that um, they, uh, James Dean Bradfield has said, you know, 30,000 people were disappeared. Um, and so obviously I, I've looked into all of that. But this is one of those songs that made me go, yeah, I need to... This is not just an album. This is something I'm going to want to read more about. Um, musically, I haven't written much besides I really like the piano intro and I like the marching drum beat. But I think that's probably because I this is one of those ones where, and this is a very Nobby Mannix fan thing to say, but it was more about the lyrics. <laughs> musically, I think this is the one that grabbed me most instantly. Um, yeah, like you say, it comes on like a march, which is, I think, obviously intentional given the subject matter. But it's so poppy. It is so poppy. When I first heard it, it made me smile and just like gave me goosebumps at the same time. It's just, it, it's quite a joyful sounding song to me. It reminds me of Muse in a way, because they've got a lot of stomping, like anthemic songs. But it's not just that, it's in the intricate guitar too. If I, if I didn't know this was James doing the guitar, I would have thought that's Matt Bellamy. Because it's got that feel and sound to it i i get that honestly i i love this song I, it is so bloody good it is a very it is a proper tune next one is under the mimosa tree i have written the intro has a dreamy quality to it that i really like 
I love how the song builds then almost stops completely before becoming really gentle and lilting. The guitar in this song is absolutely gorgeous and for me it's a great example of how a piece of music doesn't necessarily need lyrics in order to be very moving and touching. I um this is one of those pieces that just I just instantly connected with. I just thought this is stunning and I wanted to know more about where the influence for it came from and this is one of the ones where I did I googled and I read an interview with James Dean Bradfield and he was saying um how Victor Hara's wife had talked about how they used to have family dinners underneath the mimosa tree and just that idea of quiet domesticity amongst the crazy backdrop of everything that was happening around them um it's a, it's a very personal thing that we can all identify with and he identified with it. And I think now I know that it's taken on even more meaning. And I do. It's one of those sometimes, for, for me with Manic songs and James's songs, sometimes I hear a song and I identify with it, not just because I think the music is really nice, but because of the lyrical content. And with this, I felt so engaged with it and I felt like I could identify with it. And yet there's no words. It's almost like it's a blank canvas to put your own interpretation onto in some ways. But I just, it's got such a floaty quality to it that I just think it's really beautiful. Lovely acoustic work again. Oh, sexy acoustic plucking. <laughs> um, it picks up for me when the trumpet kicks in, because then it goes to a, a spaghetti western feel, which is a recurring theme in the album. Yeah, I was going to say there's a lot of that. That's probably why some of it does remind me of Muse a bit, because they do have that as well. But I think it's just beautiful. And, you know, I think some days I'd need to be in a certain frame of mind for it. You know, what a guitarist, isn't he? Oh, James. Oh, James. <laughs> Sing to me in that deep voice. <laughs> Are you talking to me or James? I, I can do it. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> You knew I was going to do it. I'm sorry, I ruined that. Okay, next one. From the hands of Violetta. Again, with the deep voice. I just really like that deep tone on the verses of this song. Um, I particularly enjoy, there's like a, a kind of plodding drumbeat in the verses. And I like that. There's this, it's just sort of a almost resigned tone to it with this like plodding drums and then suddenly the chorus lifts off and it feels I know I've said this with a couple of the songs on this album so far but there for me there's a recurring theme on this album of songs that are like a bit slow and a bit plodding and then suddenly start to fly and this is one of those ones that I think the chorus sort of lifts the whole thing up I think I think there's a lot going on in quite a few of these songs I think on first listen you don't notice it and then there's a lot of tempo changes. There's a lot of like different instrumentation going on. And the chorus is quite uncomfortable at first, I think, on this one. Because it's it's quite at, at odds with the verse. Um, I wish there was more words to the chorus. It's almost like Patrick has hung out with Nicky too much. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> It is subtly epic. The guitar work is fucking A. Um, and it's it's grown on me. The first time I listened to it, I thought, hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I would skip it. But I think there are probably days where it would connect more. As a note, Violetta Parra was a Chilean composer and was an inspiration and influence on Victor Hara. Next one. Without knowing the end, Joan's song. Brackets. Hey. Brackets. Oh gosh, we love a bracket. We love a bracket. Without knowing the end, I am and I will be Miss Campanera on who they could depend. Without being alive, return to voice. Life, I 
written very much for this one. I think I think it I just put this feels very manicy. <laughs> Um, there's some minor chords. There's a little bit where it's like a juxtaposition goes major, minor, ma- major, minor. Like, and I really like that. And I've also written, perhaps it's because it sounds manicy, but the guitar solo feels strangely familiar. And they are my only notes on this song, but I really like it. Again, I think this was another one that instantly connected. It's it's uh, the the melody to the line, this life I had to find without knowing the end. It's so audacious. It's just like so catchy. Um, yeah, the topic at its heart is his murder, and yet it comes across quite jolly in its the way it plods along. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny because sometimes I have this thing where I'm like, I don't need to say anything because this speaks for itself. And I, I genuinely think the fact that I've written very little about this, other than it feels maxy and I like it, <laughs> but I, I just do. Yeah, I, I just think it's. It's a really cheeky sounding song to me, and like when when it's I lived, I danced, I loved, I, and I and I fought this life I had to defend. The, just the melody lines to that is just so good. Um, when the riff kicks in, and I might be the only one who thinks this, it, when it kicks in in the chorus, it reminds me of a Simple Mind song, and I'm I don't know if it's alive or kicking. I'm not up on Simple Minds. No, I unfortunately do not know many Simple Minds songs, so I can't really um, help you with your... I think I know the one everybody knows, and that's it. James is a fan, so that's me- that made me think maybe he's like done a little lift. And also, as I learnt from his podcast, Simple Minds have done a song about Victor themselves. So yeah, so maybe it's a little weirdly linked, and maybe it's just my mind making it up, I don't know. No, the, I I have to be very honest and say the only one I know is Don't you forget about me? Forget that's the that's the other one. It's I, I'm pretty sure it's alive and kicking that I'm thinking of. Let's smoothly go to the next song, La Pardida. I did not know until I did my homework that this is a re. You didn't know until you did know. Yeah, until I did know, I was not aware. Of the fact that this is a reinterpretation of one of Victor Hara's own songs, which I think is really cool. Yes, and I, I've, I've listened to it this weekend. The, the original. It's, it's a lot more subtle and acoustic. This is, this is bigger production and bigger sound to it, but it still it retains the concept very well of what it's trying to achieve. Oh, I see. I haven't heard the original yet. I really ought to. It's a shame that in the studio, James had to stand on so many nails when he's recording. <laughs> ah, I I found myself, um, bearing in mind, like I said, I didn't know that it was one of Victor Harrison's. On the first listen, I started joining in with the R's because they feel there was something familiar about them. And I just was like, I can tell where those notes are going to go. I'm studying music theory at the moment, everybody. So at the moment, I'm paying very close attention to what notes go where. (laughs) I Yeah, there was something familiar and it just felt like, yes, I can tell where these are going to go. Um, Again, this is another one of those songs. And like I said, this is a recurring theme of this album where the song picks up and then slows back down and there's a tempo change. And I really like that. I like that that's a, a recurring theme across the album and it works really well in this song. And I just think it's a very nice touch on an album that is all about, you know, Victor Hara and his life, what happened to him. I think it's really nice to actually reimagine one of his pieces of work for this. Yeah, usually usually I would be against covers on albums, as I've, I've ranted before. But I think in terms in this context, I think it does make sense. To include his work, I think, celebrates him. It, it's like two cowboys outside a saloon staring at each other. And then it, it's like they, they suddenly break out into a tango. That's what I imagine. Instead of shoot, firing guns at each other, they're just dancing at each other in a tango, tapping their hands. <laughs> Can I just say, I'd watch the heck out of that film. Someone please make that. Tango Cowboys from Hell. Look, I will film it for you. Just get me the actors. I will bring my camera. Next time you listen to this, there's a little bit 
there's a slight few seconds in here that reminds me of the Sherlock theme tune. Oh, you see, I never watched Sherlock. Right, but what I'm saying is, Google it, and then get, come back to me and say, Michael, you were right. And you were, you, and you were right about the Simple Minds thing. Okay, even if I think you're wrong. <sighs> the thing, having said that the R's feel really familiar and I could tell where they were going to go, then there's another bit where it's like, ah, and I'm like, oh, wasn't expecting that. That's when clearly there's a lot more nails. Yeah, I mean, health and safety. Somebody needs to sort that studio out. Okay, the last song, which is not the last song. Citizens make the best revolutions, asking questions, the deepest answer, the blood paints a protest. I love that this is another song that starts with this almost floaty, dreamy feeling to it. I adore any song that can open with the words bondage citizens make the best revolutions. Come on. That's, I just love it. Um, I particularly like the change in tempo towards the end. And then there's an almost jagged sounding guitar. I just feel like this is... Apart from The Boy from the Plantation, this is the one that gets in my head the most. Okay. Yeah, it it reminds me a lot of Pink Floyd. There's a slow build-up and then this really beautiful chorus. I, it, when I turned, talked about his lyrics, words being direct earlier, they're like, untie the noose, here is the ladder. They took your hands, but they could not silence your tongue. That could sound grating. If it was if it was done wrong, but I think it works really well. Um, the fretwork is staggering, and you you called you called it jagged, I think. But the, like the chaotic breakdown at the end, and then it's like the chorus comes in for one last gasp of air at the end of, of, of all that. It's so good, isn't it? It is a bloody tune. As much as James is my favourite singer, and I love his 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 playing as well. I wouldn't say I was overly excited for this album. I was looking forward to it. But I wasn't hyping myself up for it. But it's it's exceeded where I thought it was going to go. I think I, I think I was nervous about it. Which I know sounds really bizarre. But yeah, because I, I adore James's voice. I adore his guitar playing. I love the Manics. And But I think there was a slight nervousness, A, because it, everybody kept talking about it like it was a concept album. And I kept thinking, oh my God, you know, some some concept albums are amazing. Some are just not. And I really want this to be fabulous. And I think there's also, for me, The Great Western is one of my favourite albums to drive to. Like, you put that album on in the car and it just it's brilliant and there's something so perfect and i won't go on too much because i know one day we might talk about that album but there's there's so much clever musicality in it because obviously there's this whole thing about the great western and trains and travel in it and there's so many songs that actually do just they have this lilting sound of a train (laughs) like as it trundles along the tracks and it's just it's so perfectly done. So I was a little bit like, oh, sure, it's not going to 
you know the great western is so important to me and also like going to see him on that tour was amazing and there wasn't a barrier at the gig and i just leant on the stage <laughs> the whole night his bassist like was like oh mo i'll move your water bottle for you so you don't knock it with your elbow it it was like a whole time so it's not just the so the album it's like the connection to the time it came out and so i was a little bit like oh is this gonna be anything like that you know to me is it gonna ever mean as much but it's so different you can't compare them but i just think i i'm i'm just so impressed with this album and it's such a shame he's not going to tour. The, I know what with COVID and all that, but he he said he wasn't going to tour this album anyway. And these are such good songs. Oh, I know. I'd love to hear some of these live. Last song, which is the last song, Santiago Sunrise. Memories of battles lost Have never gone away again with the low kind of sorrowful voice and i guess you know that kind of sorrow in his voice is completely appropriate because you hear the sadness about the end of victor hara's life and everything around it i.e all the torture and the murders and all the horrible crap that went down there's something about that that is absolutely palpable in this song um however there's also this incredible defiance to it as well. I really love the line, you'll never cross the river if you're scared of getting wet. And the return of that almost military marching drumbeat, the way it builds and builds and lifts. And it sort of has this overall tone of something horrific has happened, something awful and sad and terrible. But there is more that we have to fight for. And there is like an optimism underneath the sorrow and I find that an incredible thing to have been able to put through in a song. Yeah, totally agree. It's very atmospheric but downtrodden. And I think to end the album on a very subdued note is fitting for, for you know, his, his ultimate demise. I like the uncomfortable white noise that goes in the, in the middle of the song. It's like, it's like a very lilting kind of swaying song. There's this, the, the white noise just pushes up. I th I, it's funny because earlier I mentioned that I think Requeva is... A f I hope I said that right. Ricoido. Recorder. Galbani. <laughs> Galbini. Um, Gabruni. Um, I think that's a great album opener. And I think this is a perfect album ender. Yes. Yeah, it is. Um, so I think we like it. I think we do. It may be like if this podcast is still going in like five, six, seven years time, you know, our Simple Minds podcast has failed so we keep doing this. Mm -mm, yeah, because I only know one song. <laughs> we'll go more in depth. You can analyse songs better with more experience and age, can't you? And we're just talking about our first impressions. Okay, um, we'll just go quickly go through some comments from the spots. I'm going to make it catch on this, the spots. Hey, Spods. Okay, we've got a message from Watcher7. Uh, love the podcast. Musically, the album is refreshing. Love the Manix work, but really shows what James can do when he's, he lets loose from the Manix album style with three big singles format. 
in ways it is quite a depressing listen the music and lyrics can be sombre patrick jones li lyrics and poems are on fire though really showing the history and humanity of hara and the criminal period of Chile, chile's history uh, ronan that is ronan watch the seven okay karen davies beautiful complicated insightful music and lyrics james should use that gorgeous low register much more often in vocals i believe the phrase is it moves me and i think that's a naughty wink at the end oh karen i like your style <laughs> oh james <laughs> okay i think you've got one as well i don't know who it's from because you've cut you you forwarded it to me oh it's it's from stunned fox it's from stunned fox i'm sorry i wasn't aware but i i now know thank you stunned fox my first impression of even in exile is that it's a very strong album everything feels of a piece in the way that most really good album albums do not just in the overall concept but musically also such that it's a record that's very easy to immerse yourself in the whole of i agree with that on a lesser LP, three instrumentals could feel like too many. Yeah, we haven't really talked about how many instrumentals there are. Um, something like Under the Mimosa Tree probably doesn't stick out as an individual piece, for example, but within the context of the album, each track feels like it complements the others really well. Requerda is, an, is a classic scene-setting opening, and the two tracks that came first, They'll Come a War and Seeking the Room with the Three Windows, Contrast really effectively back to back with the ominous foreboding of the former leading into this gloriously propulsive and uplifting instrumental surge. Others that stand out for me early are 30,000 Milk Bottles, Great Little, Piano Backing, Love the... Oh, love... Hang on a minute. <laughs> love the Moment Emphasis on it. I'm so sorry. <clears throat> and the last song, some of the strongest lyrics on the album get a melody and arrangement befitting their quality. There's not much I don't like about this on my first few listens. From the Hands of Violetta is okay, but doesn't quite land the same as the others for me, which makes it feel a bit overlong. Whilst I happen to know La Partida already, the band Redgum both covered it and incorporated the melody into their own song, Blood Upon the Rain, on their 1986 album Midnight Sun. And JDB's really expansive take on it with the massive sounding vocal sections doesn't feel like a great fit for that particular melody, at least as I know it. His, his version may yet grow on me. But on the whole, I'm really enjoying Even in Exile. The sound palette of it is brilliant. The overarching portrait it paints of Hara's story is well presented. And it's simply really enjoying enjoyable sorry, to listen to as a whole piece. Okay, I've got one from Louise Mitchell. A thing of beauty and intelligence. Well, thank you, Louise. So, um, if I had to pick an instant favourite track, it would definitely be 30,000 milk bottles I would agree on that one Jesper says what an album it is so brilliant very emotional and such beautiful lyrics and such beautiful melodies and soundscapes it sounds very very good what a effing brilliant musician James is yes agree with that completely last one Tracy Bow Victor Hara was murdered exactly seven years before I was born, which makes this album even more emotive and thought-provoking for me. I think it was seven years before I was born as well. So glad James and Patrick decided to go for it and put this album out there. I have now discovered the beauty of Victor Hara's singing and music, for which I am eternally grateful. I've just spilt a hot drink on myself. I do apologise. I just... Okay, <laughs> <laughs> last up... This week's B-side is Bored Out of My Mind. I'm bored out of 
It was a B-side to Motorcycle Emptiness and was released on 1st of June 1992. Are you bored? Or... No, I... Freaking love this song. I, I It's always been one of my favourite B-sides. I really like this song. In fact, in my notes, I've just put I love this song in capitals. <laughs> I I find the, there's something... Now, if I say the word flange, <laughs> is that going to go to a dark place? Uh, <laughs> try it. I was originally going to say there's something flangy about the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, do you know do you know your music uh, course or whatever you what is it you're doing? Don't use the word flangy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I take my music theory exam, that's not that's not one of the things I'll say. <laughs> no, that's all about knowing key signatures and how to build a chord. Um, yes, I, I there's something airy. Let's say airy because I always think the flange effect on a guitar sounds airy anyway. Um, there's something very airy about the intro with the echoey drum and all of that. And then there's this really pretty guitar that comes in and it feels really dreamy and beautiful, which I think incredibly fits this piece of like, <laughs> it's a, there's like a listlessness to it. And yet it the melody really does convey this sense of apathy. I, I... Sounds quite, it sounds quite cold. Yeah, I think there's a real... And I just think that's so clever. It really shows how incredibly talented James E. Bradfield is. He has these lyrics that are about, oh, I'm so bored. And he writes a piece of music that sounds beautiful. I really find the guitar in this really, really pretty. And yet... Yeah, well, sexy acoustic plucking again. Yeah, sexy acoustic plucking. And yet, at the same time, this melody just conveys a sense of <laughs> I can't describe it any better than that. No, that's true. I I don't think there's a lot you can look into the song in terms of uh hi- history or you know re- research into or what it's about. It, but I for me, I think I just need to be in the mood for this song. I love it, but I need to be myself in a apathetic, tired kind of mood yeah i see where you're coming from i i need to be sleepy for this one i I like to be in a sort of cozy place when i listen to this one i i really like um it's a really simple line but i really like the line i'm feeling too awake i'm tired of what i see because we've all been there we have all been there and i also love um from a musical point of view i love the way the song just sort of ends it just goes meow do I, I can't say this enough. I mean, it's a very appropriate podcast episode to just say James Dean Bradfield is freaking awesome. He's so talented. I just, I just love the way he, he. This song is about. I'm bored. I'm just fed up. I'm. I feel apathy for everything, and the, the song just sort of goes. Eh, I'm going to end now. <laughs> I just think that's so clever. It's brilliant. I'm. I'm a big fan of this song. And it's another example of him fitting certain lines and making the best of a melody from quite difficult couplets like everybody's dreaming running for the screen the media stinking drunk nothing is at stake all the faces i love their skin is soft as leprosy their skin is soft as leprosy i mean what a lyric words choked on my lies repeating love till they cry i mean that it's it's very early manix uh lyrically i'd say this is probably quite different for them mu- musically sounding no definitely not no i would i would say lyrically it's very very typical of the era but musically not so much it's a really beautiful song like i say i have to be in the mood for it it's got that emptiness to it hope is lost <laughs> it's funny because i i think i genuinely think that's why i like it so much <laughs> but not because i i don't so much i identify with it i can do like i said i like to be cozy i like to listen to this when i'm feeling a bit sleepy but i don't have to be feeling bored or apathetic or anything like that i just think it's so clever i just think to to have a song with that lyrical content and to make the song itself sound 
like it's plodding along and everything is just like meh, and yet it's really beautiful i just think it's a real achievement i put this to the twitter sphere um five stars got 24 percent four stars 38 three stars 22 and two stars 16 so it's a four star i would have i would have gone with a four star uh, we've got a couple of comments. Philemus. Uh, one from my cassette of B-sides. Far from my favourite, but I can't help singing along to the chorus. I find harmonising to the word leprosy especially pleasing. Dean Turner. Being eight when this was a B-side to Motorcycle Emptiness, I first heard this on Lipstick Traces, which I got from Andy's Records in Aberystwyth when I started uni in autumn 2003. I love it. It was, and still is, sometimes semi-biographical. Yeah, so they've got, they've got that connection to that time. Yeah, absolutely. It's time for, I guess, the finger of Manic's past. Ooh, <laughs> it's not. It's not a ghost. Fingers living. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. It's not a detached finger like r- floating around under a little white napkin. Well, fine. I'll do. I'll do another jingle for you. You ready? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to scroll. <laughs> For those who haven't listened before, I've got a screen full of Manix B-sides. Now scroll up and down. Just just for context. <laughs> with, with my ghostly finger. <laughs> with his ghostly finger until I tell him to stop. And I am going to... <laughs> That's just, just, just dodgy. <laughs> it does sound dodgy. <laughs> okay, for the, for the sake of everybody, just stop. <laughs> I'm going, I'm going. It's unleashed. Stop. Locust Valley. Twins with Moomin Valley. I was at Wasp Valley earlier. Oh, well, no, just like a picnic on a fairly warm day. In the summer, with lots of sweet things, and next thing you know, just so many friggin' wasps. And do you know what wasps can do, Mikey? Um, is it sting you? No, they can get in the fucking sea. <laughs> they can go and join Little Mix. All the faces I love, the soft as leprosy. Words talk on my last Repeat in love till they cry All the faces I love They say they soft as leprosy I'm all out of my mind I'm too stone lazy to see And that is it for episode six. Feel free to subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. We are on Twitter at MSP underscore pod. On Gmail at MSPpod1 at gmail.com. And on Facebook and Instagram under the title Manic Street Speakers. Uh, Feel free to keep your Manic origin stories coming through. Written and audio messages as well as your memories of the manic millennium what did you do on new year's eve 1999 let us know your stories and tales from that night until next time we love you one time we love you two times we love you three fudging times i have a baby in the house maybe i'll just hold and kiss you i don't think so